Hey, what's up? This is Chris Gray, and you're listening to the ZFM Sport Podcast. And it's Messi! It is the cleanest of clean finishes from the best on the planet. It's time for the biggest sports stories. Chelsea, the UEFA Champions League winners of 2021. The biggest interviews. That uh, such a great spectacle is ruined by such such thuggish behavior. And all the analysis right here. He's the one player that has the arrogance to think that he can play in any stadium in the world and any pitch in the world in front of any player in the world and take them on. Every weekday, it's my sport, it's your sport. It's ZFM Sport. Let's join the team for the biggest show in the world of sport on ZFM Stereo. My station, your station. We are into the fourth minute in the game between Portugal and Ghana and Africa's quest for their opening goal at the Qatar 2022 World Cup continues. It's been four matches, Senegal in action, Morocco in action, Tunisia in action, Cameroon in action, and still there have been no goals. Hopefully the black stars of Ghana will shine against Portugal. Good evening, Zimbabwe. Welcome to ZFM Sport in in the studio, your favorite team of pundits, Chris Meadzi, our producer, Sean Tafirinika. My name is Mike Madoda. And a bit later on, we should be joined by Alois Bunjira, the former Warriors and Mamelody Sundowns striker. You can expect more sports news on the home front, where after clinching the season opening Pro 50 Championship earlier this month, Mountaineers will be keen to carry their form to the longer version of the game in Zimbabwe's premier first-class cricket competition, the Logan Cup, which begins again today. We'll have international sports news for you and we'll do a wrap up of a notable tennis season where Carlos Alcaraz and Rafael Nadal ended the year first and second in the ATP rankings while on the WTA tour, Iga Swiatek and finished uh, finished the year a dominant number one. Also take you around the world in 60. In the beautiful game, Belgian coach Roberto Martinez says he was happy with what he called a deserved 1-0 win over Canada in a World Cup match he described as the worst technical performance of his six-year tenure. In tonight's action, a second-half strike from Briel Mbolo fired Switzerland to a narrow 1-0 victory over Cameroon in their World Cup opener as the indomitable Lions suffered an eighth-straight defeat in the competition dating back to 2002. And tonight, Brazil will aim to start their campaign on a strong note when they take on Serbia at the Lusail Stadium. The Home Front. Local sports news and analysis. Let's give you a local sports news wrap, starting off with some golf news, where Zimbabwe professional golfers Visitor Mapanya and Robson Chinoy are leading the pack at the Malawi Open Golf Championship. After day two of the tournament, Mapanya in his first is in his first position with a gross total of 136 points, eight under par, and Chinoy has a gross total of 139 points and five under par in second position. Head over to some rugby news. Bulawayo Metropolitan Rugby Football Board is set to host a Sevens Rugby Festival at the City Ceremonial Home of Rugby or Hartfield Rugby Ground that will feature different schools as well as clubs from across the country next Saturday named the Unforgettable Sevens Rugby Festival after the board partnered with the corporate giants Unforgettable. The tournament will bring a close to the city's rugby season. And we'll finish off with some netball news where Zimbabwe will get to know their opponents at next year's Netball World Cup where 
as the draw for the 2023 Netball World Cup has been set for next Wednesday in South Africa. Netball World Netball revealed that the latest World Netball rankings confirming the seeding of the 16 teams taking part in the World Cup. Zimbabwe is ranked 13. The Warriors, the Chevrons, the Cheetahs, the Mighty Warriors, and the Sables. From the pool to the track to the field, we are Team Zimbabwe. Now, after clinching the season opening Pro 50 Championship earlier this month, the Mountaineers will be keen to carry their form to the longer version of the game in Zimbabwe's premier first-class cricket competition, the Logan Cup, which began today. Mountaineers began their campaign with a clash against Rhinos at Harare Sports Club in a potential thriller. Now, stumps on day one. Mashonaland Eagles, 335 for two in 63.3 overs. Uh, and of course, uh, that is uh, Craig Irvine, 138, not out. Chamuchi Baba uh, is on uh, 111, not out. Uh, Brian Mzinganyama has picked up the solitary wicket, uh, 1 for 16. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the game that I was uh, talking about, uh, Rhinos and Mountaineers. Uh, Rhinos, 280 uh, in 62.5 overs. Uh, Kyron Carl- Carlson, 90, not out. Jonathan Campbell, 50. Uh, and then uh, for the Mountaineers, uh, Donald Tiripano taking four for 57. Victor Nyauchi, three for 65. The Mountaineers in reply, 58 for two. Spencer Magodo, 26, uh, not out. Tony Munyonga is on 13, not out. And Terva Gwandu has picked up a wicket uh, for the Rhinos, one for 15. So the Mountaineers are trailing by 222 runs in that game. And uh, you got to say that the Rhinos will be happy that they picked up two wickets uh, for 58. And uh, having set 280, uh, they will feel that, you know what, they may have a slight edge on day one. Definitely. Uh, when you're taking a look at that total of 280, definitely not an easy total to chase, first of all. But I think in the first, uh, on the on day one, being able to take those two wickets, I think is going to be very, very key um, for the Rhinos if they're going to maintain their hold in this tournament. Absolutely. And of course, uh, that is uh, the cricket that is happening. And uh, you've got to say that... Uh, You've got to be happy with the work that Zimbabwe Cricket is doing. I know we sort of like had a very underwhelming finish to the T20 World Cup. Yeah. But on the whole, we've always talked uh, about uh, local cricket, domestic cricket, yes. local competition being the foundation on which we can build on. And it's nice to see that there's action and there's cricket action regularly yes. in Zimbabwe at the moment. It's an absolutely critical piece. Even if we say that we want to be able, you know, to, to, to go down into the structures to ensure that there's a pipeline, the pipeline has to have somewhere to end up eventually and one of those places is what when you're taking a look at um our local schedule here a lot of cricket being played the logan cup at the moment um just before that was the uh pro 50 championship as well so we're getting a good amount of cricket being played and i think what i like about this especially is that it's cricket being played right across the country so there's no area in which the cricket is not being played and what that does is first of all garners the fan bases because you've got a good spread Mm, of the action mm. and also you are able to then take talent from various places. I think a lot of the time uh, talent is kind of concentrated in your... Metro well, Harare. Harare and Bulawayo. <laughs> in this tournament, we're going to be seeing action at Kwekwe Sports Club, Mutare Sports Club. So that definitely does a lot to get a lot 
more players involved, but also garner a lot more interest from those communities. Oh, well, let's give you that uh, Logan Cup schedule. Defending champions Tuskers will have to wait longer before starting off their title defence as they're set to only join in proceedings during the second round of fixtures that are scheduled between November 29 and the 2nd of December, where they'll face rocks at Old Hararian's Sports Club. On the same weekend, Rhinos will host Eagles at Kwekwe Sports Club. Action will then move to Bulawai and Mutara for the third round of fixtures, with Tuskers set to host Rhinos at Queen's Sports Club, while Mountaineers will be banking on home advantage when they tackle Eagles at Mutara Sports Club from December 8 to December 11. Then the last round of fixtures before the festive holidays will have been slated for December 15 to 18, which will see Southern Rocks hosting Mountaineers at Mashingo Sports Club, while Eagles will take on rivals Tuskers at Bulawayo Athletic Club. The final round of fixtures is set for February 15 through to the 18th in the year 2023. And following the conclusion of the first class season in February, players will feature for Southerns and Northerns provincial sides in three four-day matches. I love that concept, you know, which is the best of the North versus the best of the South. Uh, it's a higher level of competition. Yep. Uh, and again, it's just ways that I think Zimbabwe cricket is trying to come up with just to make sure that our players remain battle-hardened yeah. and also almost a sifting process mm-hmm. to see who can stand up to the rigors of more competitive action. I wouldn't even call it a sifting process. I would say that this puts a bit more pressure on those teams to perform because now it's not just uh, taking a look at, you know, the, the team that you're playing in, but those... It creates a bit of a, a rivalry, yeah. as it were. It creates a nice little undercurrent there. And I think it's going to be very, very critical for our players to remain in form. I think when we go out to these tournaments, it's very easy to sometimes take a look at the players and we see that they're not game ready. This from Zimbabwe Cricket is great because it ensures that throughout a year, our cricketers are consistently playing cricket. 0731-168-045. That's our WhatsApp platform. Get in touch with us with your thoughts. If you're a cricket fan, are you loving the development? at Zimbabwe Cricket, at least the consistency that we're beginning to see from Zimbabwe Cricket, both on and off the field. We may not be back where we used to be or where we love to think of ourselves as belonging, but certainly we are making strides to make sure that cricket is being played in the country, competitively so, and we're producing competitive national teams that are able to trouble the best in the world. Quick breather, and when we come back, we'll be going into International with our sports news. Bring them back. Turn it up. We're turning up the beats. I just need your hit music station. Let's go. For hit music, it's from the front of the grid to the back of the net. It's CFM Sport International Sports News Roundup, where the world comes out to play. We are into the 19th minute of the game between Ghana and Portugal and it remains goalless. Portugal, you've got to say, are edging it as far as ball possession is concerned. But Ghana, very compact, very well organised and looking very dangerous whenever they get on the ball. So it's a very interesting opening uh, stanza to this game between Portugal and Ghana. Uh, and of course, both teams, Chris, with the potential to top the group after mm-hmm. that uh, goalless draw between uh, Korea 
Colombia uh, and uh, Uruguay early on. Yeah, all to play for in this game. I think when you're taking a look at, especially when you're taking a look at Ghana, Ghana's got to do it for Africa now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no goals scored by Africa so far, so Ghana has to do it. But I think my concern is that we always have these decent, great starts mm, from our African mm. teams. But as soon as we get to that 75th minute, things start to fall apart a little bit. But I like, I'm liking how they are defensively and I'm hoping that they can carry this through throughout the game. Yeah, their distances are great. Uh, they remain compact. Uh, uh, they're keeping those lines and uh, they're managing, of course, uh, to press uh, the Portuguese team. Uh, and also, uh, I think, committing some very clever tactical fouls mm-hmm. uh, whenever the Portuguese side get in and behind them. We'll be giving you, of course, updates of that game and building up uh, to uh, tonight's uh, matchup between Brazil and Serbia a bit later on. Right now, let's talk tennis where Carlos Alcaraz and Rafael Nadal end the year first and second in the ATP rankings. The first time Spain has had the top two in the final standings. The Spanish duo uh, captured three of the four Grand Slam titles. Teenager Alcaraz won the US Open and Nadal took the Australian and French crowns. Novak Djokovic won Wimbledon. Now, tennis legend Jim Correa says Rafa Nadal had the better season compared to Alcaraz despite missing out on the year-end number one ranking. I think that the one that you want, the, the year that you want, is Nadal's. You want those two majors above anything when you're, when you're talking at this level. Um, all things considered, they all played awfully well. <laughs> There's just a lot to consider this year, a lot more than, than normal. But, but Rafa with two, and who's to say he wouldn't have uh, you know, put a, a good test in the finals of Wimbledon had he been healthy enough to get there against Novak? We'll never know. Yeah. He had a great season. Z. I think it goes without saying that he had a great season mm-hmm. uh, and I think uh, in many ways uh, Nadal will look back at Wimbledon and uh, he'll sort of like think you know what uh, to be ruled out as a result of injury yeah. uh, when he was really playing arguably the best tennis that he's played at Wimbledon for a very long time I think he'll rue that but uh, before the year started you told him that you were going to win two Grand Slams <laughs> I think you'd have been happy with that Yeah I think you'd have been pretty happy with that I think when we're taking a look at these players yes we love to look at their previous form but these players are getting to their twilight years so mm. when they get into these tournaments when they do well when they can potentially do well in a tournament and I think especially with Wimbledon the number of contenders that were not there for Wimbledon I think it, w- it would have been a prime opportunity for him and also an opportunity to get that record and ensure that he's able to hold that record against Novak Djokovic who also doesn't seem like he's going to be slowing down anytime soon and of course Nadal will enter 2023 seeking to add to his record 22 Grand Slam titles uh, though, of course, like Chris pointed out, he is pursued by Novak Djokovic, who is just one behind his great rival. Uh, not Djokovic uh, finishing fifth in the year's rankings, uh, but of course, he finished uh, with a bit of a flourish uh, by uh, winning a record equaling sixth ATP finals trophy. Is that what 2023 will be about? I mean, in terms of uh, a broad theme in men's tennis, will it be about that? You know, race for greatness, race for the goatness between Nadal and Djokovic. I think it definitely will. And I think also because Roger Federer has excused himself from the race. It's <laughs> too old now, to be honest. It's too old now. Yeah. So I think now we've got a two-horse race. Um, it pits the rivalry very well. I think when you're taking a look at these two players, especially how they're going to be entering 2023, every single, especially the Grand Slam tournaments, are going to be incredibly um 
via pact. Djokovic himself, I think, is also ruining the opportunities that he's had to miss uh, because of his stance in terms of vaccination. So I think going into 2023, he wants to win as many as possible in a shorter time as possible, just to ensure that he also uh, manages to close that gap in terms of the Grand Slam record. Yeah, but I think uh, the difference this time is that uh, there are a number of young players now who yeah. are at their level, who uh, I don't think uh, the Grand Slams will be all about Djokovic and Nadal. Alcaraz has already shown that, uh, especially on the hard courts, he's able to compete as well as Clay. So he'll certainly be a factor uh, as far as that race for goatness is concerned. Let's take a look at the WTA Tour, which is, of course, on the women's side. Uh, Poland's Iga Swiatek uh, may have failed to add the WTA Finals title to a French and US Open crowns, but finished the year a dominant number one in the women's tennis rankings. It is the first time she has finished on top of the year-end rankings. Let's hear from her. It's pretty crazy. I kind of, it's hard for me to handle all of that and like summarize it because I felt like I started the season 10 years ago (laughs) and uh, I'm so proud of myself that I could, you know, be ready on every tournament and give my all and and be able to be kind of fresh mentally and physically, even on the last one. it's a season that I wouldn't even dream of, so, yeah. See. Well, women's tennis has uh, teased us, uh, hasn't it, Chris? Over oh, the last uh, sort of like uh, three years, we thought that there were a number of players who were coming through who mm. had the potential to dominate the sport. Yeah. Uh, at one time, we were all crowing about Naomi Osaka and yeah. how she was the next one. But we have seen signs with Aiga Schwertek that mm-hmm. she may have the consistency needed to stay at the top. Yeah, and I think that's what was what's different about her is that consistency. The other players that have popped up, we talked about Naomi Osaka, um, young lady from the US whose face I can see in my head and I cannot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but the number Ashley Barty, all these players, what they're able to do is they break in and they impress mm. in one particular tournament. But what we don't see after that is the consistency in their play. I think uh, I just take finishing in number one is in no short part a result of how consistent she's been across the entire season. When you're taking a look at not just popping up at tournaments, but I think she's won how many? Eight of the final, eight out of nine of the parts of the tournaments. Big game temperament. That is big game temperament. And also she's won 37 consecutive matches from February 22nd until July uh, the 2nd as well. And that's the longest winning streak on the WTA Tour this century. So Interesting stats there for her. Um, and it's better actually than Serena Williams and Venus yeah. Williams as well. So that consistency, when you're taking a look at the next GOAT, we have to take a look at consistency. Because I think in terms of in terms of power, in terms of all the other metrics, when you're taking a look at the women's side, the players are not that different. But when you're taking a look at who can run on and be consistent and be solid... Aikas Vietek, I think, has definitely put a hand up. All right, so Aikas Vietek, uh, she uh, won the French Open and the US Open. Uh, Wimbledon was by, won by Elena Rybakina, uh, and Australian Open was won by Ashley Barty. Those were your big women's uh, on the women's side. Let's take a look at the final rankings, starting with the men. Uh, of course, Carlos Alcaraz finishing in first place, uh, Rafael Nadal in second, Kaspar Ruud uh, in third, Stefanos Tsitsipas uh, of Greece in fourth. No 
Novak Djokovic in fifth, uh, Felix Auger Aliasibe in sixth, uh, Daniel Medvedev in seventh, uh, Andrei Rublev in eighth, uh, Taylor Fritz in ninth, and Hubert Hukac finished in tenth place. Uh, for the women, Iga Swiatek in first, Ons Jabot of Tunisia in second, Jessica Pedula of America in third, Caroline Garcia of France in fourth, Arena Sabalenka in fifth, Maria Sakari in sixth, Coco Golf in seventh, Daria Kas- uh, Kasatskina in uh, eighth, Veronika Kudemetova in ninth, and Simona Halep of Romania finished in tenth place. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Matt Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Sandra Winka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to ZFM Stereo, Sport, and a whole lot more. Z. Around the world in 60 seconds. International Sports News. We'll take off in Germany where Toto Wolf has confirmed Mercedes' interest in signing Mick Schumacher as a reserve driver because the German just fits with the team. Mike, your thoughts on that one? <laughs> I like it's a brand fit. Yeah. Certainly. Uh, there's no running away. He's got the name. He is German. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, going to Mercedes, which is a German uh, team, uh, only makes sense. Uh, so from a brand perspective, from a talent perspective, I also think it works because he is talented enough not to be a number one or two, mm-hmm. but certainly to learn from the two that are there right now. Schumacher is the son of seven-time world champion Michael, who spent his final three seasons of Formula One of his Formula One career with Mercedes, and is set to become a free agent after losing his half seat to Nico Hulkenberg for the 2023 season. In England, Joffrey Archer has set his sight firmly on next year's 50 Over World Cup after making his return from injury, elbow problems, and a stress fracture to his back have kept Archer sidelined since March. But he had a solid showing on his first outing yesterday, bowling nine overs as the Lions took on England across two spell two spells. And also in the United States where LA Clippers forward Kawhi Leonard is feeling better, but head coach Ty Lu said there is no current there's currently no timetable for his return from a right ankle sprain. The Clippers lost to the Golden State Warriors without their two best players, Leonard and Paul George, who missed his second straight game with a right hamstring tendon strain. Lou said the Clippers also have no timetable for when George will return. The big leagues, the big teams, the big players. The beautiful game on ZFM Sport. Jogo Bonito, Tiki Taka, Toto Football. It's a football celebration where only the best are invited. Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, Benzema. The stars come out to play. On your Qatar 2022 World Cup update on CFM Sport. The stars certainly have come out to play. The Black Stars of Ghana, they're in action versus Portugal at the moment. Uh, and it's a 34th in the 34th minute, and it remains a goalless. Uh, Portugal with the upper hand, uh, but uh, Ghana playing on the counter and, of course, uh, managing to hold their own. But uh, started to commit uh, one or two fouls there. The foul count there, uh, uh, Chris, is now perhaps uh, they're running it up. Uh, and uh, they don't want to give Portugal more. Uh, more and more fouls in and around the 18 area because yeah. we know how lethal or how good Ronaldo is in the air. And he was pointing in the air. Yeah, but put it now. up there. Put, put it, it up there. Up Hang there. it up there. So I think it's... 
the Black Stars are going to have to do something to ensure that they reduce the number of fouls that they're committing. I'm not sure exactly what, because some of these are actually tactical fouls, yeah. just to ensure that they're able to keep a hold on this game. Do, do you think in this game it's about maybe holding Portugal for as long as you can, uh, and then you hope uh, that the frustration sort of like weighs in? Mm -hmm. uh, you hope that, uh, you know what, you've got players who are conditioned, who are able to do a job. We saw Saudi Arabia do the same thing, yeah. Japan do the same thing, where mm -hmm. they suddenly up the intensity in the second half and the better teams couldn't live with them. Yeah, and it's this is one of those grinded out type of wins, I think. And one of the ways you can make it that attritional is to ensure that you hold in that first half and in the second half, make sure that you come at them as hard as possible. We've seen um, Ghana playing on the break just now and those players are mighty quick. If they're able to do that in the second half, they could get a goal here. All right, so send us your predictions, guys. Uh, I know it's uh, 35 minutes played so far. Can Ghana win? First of all, can they get the first goal for Africa? That is a starting point. Uh, Timbo Go is out. We'll celebrate all goal border because there have been no goals for any of the teams representing the African continent so far. This is the fifth match and it's in the 35th minute and still there are no goals. Can Ghana break that duck? Send us your thoughts on 0731. 168045. That is our WhatsApp number 0731 As Portugal continue to press, continue to attack, and continue to try and put the balls into the box there, of course, with the hope that they'll be able to get something. A snapshot there coming in from the Portuguese attack at the edge of the area, and Ghana launch an attack of their own. So, very interesting match. This one, but you've got to say that uh, Portugal do have the upper hand uh, with Ghana playing on the break and on the counter-attack. So it's set up very nicely as Ghana win a corner kick and uh, this will be one of the few times that we are seeing them uh, sort of like in the last 5-10 <laughs> minutes uh, in the Portugal uh, yeah, 18 areas. That literally, that's what I was thinking about. Like We haven't seen this side of the field in an incredibly long time. I think the goalkeeper was actually out of TV. Yeah, are you impressed with the level of support as well, Chris? Because yeah. a lot of Ghanaian guys Guys who are in that crowd. I know, of course, uh, Portugal, there are a lot of Portuguese guys and, of course, guys who have come into the stadium, the local fans and mm. other neutral fans. But I've been impressed with the stadium attendances so far. I think when you're taking a look at especially the African fans, especially in these games, we have a lot of African fans that are coming out and it's very evident in that stadium. And maybe just due to some planning and also, if you've got a nation that's playing in the World Cup, mm. what an opportunity, especially in a place like Qatar in terms of accessibility for Africa, Probably one of the best locations. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if you were Minister of Sport, would you be chartering planes for local fans if Zimbabwe was at the World Cup? Absolutely. Subsidize those flights. Uh -huh. <laughs> I think it's very easy to come up with some of these solutions, ensure that their packages there, work with local international travel agents to ensure that you make it as easy as possible for someone who wants to go and support at the World Cup to go. That crowd impact I think can't be underrated especially in these tournaments. I think we saw it against uh, when uh, Zimbabwe was out in Australia. Yes. Just having that huge crowd yeah. of home support. They were like 80, 100, 120 and as yes. long as they're making uh, noise, you know. Yes, and uh, we know Zimbabwean fans will sing. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, Ghana get their second corner kick in Ooh. quick succession. Uh, it's put in a very dangerous area there. Uh, at least they're sort of like trying to transfer yeah. the pressure uh, on the Portugal team uh, and so it's now 38 minutes played in that game and it's goalless. Can Ghana score? Send us your messages. Now let's take a look
look back at last night's action, Belgium coach Roberto Martinez was happy with what he called a deserved 1-0 win over Canada in a World Cup match he described as the worst technical performance of his six-year tenure. After Argentina and Germany lost their opening games, Belgium came close to suffering another major upset, but the team who finished third at the 2018 World Cup in Russia topped the group by two points from Croatia and Morocco. Let's hear from Roberto Martinez. Canada deserve to to be better than us in the way that they approach their performance. But at the end, I thought that the result reflects a little bit the things that we had to do and the way we defended for each other and the way that we, we took the chance. See. And uh, they dodged a bullet here, Chris. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you take a look at Canada, the way they went about their business, yeah. my goodness, they, they they played well. They even got a penalty, mm-hmm. missed that penalty. You don't miss penalties when you're playing teams like uh, like Belgium. Yeah. But uh, for Belgium, they'll be happy that even after that performance which he's described as the worst technical performance mm-hmm. they have three points on the board yeah they've managed to to sneak one in i think when you're taking a look at these points uh, they managed to get some points that i don't think when you're taking a look at the balance of this game that they necessarily were justified to walk away with i think this is a lucky win for belgium and i think in the next game they won't necessarily have the kind of luck that they had in this one yeah absolutely now there was another game played last night and uh it's uh, we were talking about it here we left i think it was three <laughs> nil yeah and halftime and uh, by the end of the game it was 7-0 to Spain a lot of the criticism around Spain Chris was that where were the goals going, going to, to come, come from? from. Yeah, well, seven yeah. of them came last night, didn't they? <laughs> they really showed us. I think a lot of the criticism of the Spanish team was just that there, there was no arrowhead. Who were the goals going to come uh, from? But spread of goals, seven of them. And I think it was a goal every 10 minutes while we were in the studio. Yep. Managed to pretty much continue on the same trajectory throughout the game. So very emphatic performance. But I think one of the things that could be problematic here is when you get that kind of um, glut of goals in the first game, you could become overconfident in the second and uh, games after that as well. So they, they do have to but, keep but, but their feet on the ground. Seeing that they were being criticised for goals, doesn't this give them confidence instead? It gives them confidence, yes. But mm. you know what? Three goals would have given them confidence. Seven is a little more than confidence, I would think. I think maybe we have been underestimating how good these guys are. Potentially, yeah. uh, the this, this Spanish side, I think, has might have been underrated. But also, when you're taking a look at their opposition, it wasn't necessarily the team. But it's not, that, a, it's not a seven nil team. It's, though. it's Let, not a seven nil team. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a seven nil. I think I, I three think, nil versus Costa Rica would have mm-hmm. been a good result. For sure, would have been a good result. Would have been able to um, ensure that they get that confidence in terms of their goal scoring capacity going into that next game. And it's exactly because of that reason that coming against Costa Rica and scoring seven goals was was not necessarily going to be easy. But they've managed to do it. I'm sure they're floating right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, of course. Uh, and uh, as Portugal attack here, and uh, they fail to send the ball in the box, uh, and uh, Ghana uh, defending with numbers in the box. I mean, at the moment, uh, I can count one, two, three, four, five. Uh, so, like almost like a back six, six yeah. uh, two or three sitting in front of them uh, as that ball, of course, is crossed. And uh, oh, Ooh. right. 
It's getting interesting here. And, that uh, looks like. Ronaldo tried to latch onto that one at the far post there. Uh, but it's been so far a very... He's cut a very frustrated figure. Yeah. Isn't that he wants it too much? Especially after the controversy that has happened. Him being sort of like uh, dismissed uh, from Manchester United. Yeah. And then he was fined by the FA and yeah. also given a ban. He, he's trying to show everyone that, hey, I'm still this top top striker I'm still possibly one of the best players in the world he's too desperate for it at this point he's absolutely desperate you can see it in his reactions to some of the decisions being made by the referee you can see it in the way that he's responding the the, the force of which he's playing he's He's overdoing it at this point. Now, you, you of course, are into PR, marketing, ETC. I, I, I just want to ask this because we never did ask this. In terms of timing, when would you have dropped the interview? Pre or oh, after post, the World Cup? Post the you World, World Cup. Post World Definitely World. post World Cup because I think the World Cup, if he had gone into the World Cup without the pressure of that interview, mm. potentially could have performed better, potentially could have scored some incredible goals. It might have even added more weight to the interview. Exactly. So now it adds credence to his argument. But what happened was actually the reverse. Now he goes into the tournament under a lot of pressure. And with people saying, you know what, this is a person taking up space. I think even when you're taking a look at this Portugal team, is he necessarily a key figure to be starting this game? Maybe, maybe not when you're taking a look at the goals that he can produce. I mean, if you consider the fact that I think Rafael Leao is, is, is on the bench and mm-hmm. he's not even starting and he's been arguably the best player in Serie A yeah. and uh, one of the leading lights in European football uh, and Portugal, of course, is having to make certain decisions to accommodate him. Imagine if Diogo Jota had been there as well. It's incredibly annoying, I think, when you're taking a look at the players who might be looking at this situation in terms of what they could have contributed if they didn't have to wait for grandpa to, you know, be sub, potentially subbed off. But again, do you start Ronaldo and then pull him off? And again, he's a frustrated figure. So it's it's a tricky conundrum, I think, for, for any manager who has to work with Cristiano Ronaldo. He's not a figure you can bench, but at the same time, does he contribute in terms of output? What would you do, Mike? Well, uh, to be honest, I think in terms of the interview, I agree with you. I, I would have had uh, the interview done, or at least released it after. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, like you said, if he had then gone on to perform at the World Cup, he then would have had that weight mm-hmm. of performance. He would have had a bit more authority uh, in the things that you're saying. I think one of the problems that happened, sort of like where a lot of people looked at it skeptically, even Manchester United fans, yes. was the fact that, listen, dude, you, you haven't exactly given us much this season. Yeah. And yet you're talking yourself up like this big performer. Yeah. You've been given chances and you've blown those chances. You haven't exactly sparkled. So I think he could have waited. And then had he sort of like also flopped at the World Cup, then he just wouldn't have released the interview. Yeah. He'd have just kept mum and tried to get out of Manchester United in a diplomatic way. But you know what? Hindsight is, as they say, is what? The, the perfect science. And in terms of the World Cup, bench Ronaldo? Uh, it's difficult. I think once you select him and he goes, uh, I think he then potentially does the same thing to Portugal that he did to United, <laughs> to United. which he then becomes a very toxic uh, presence yeah. in the dressing room. Yeah. Because I, I can't see Ronaldo at a World Cup which he recognizes as possibly his last, yes. accepting a bench role, accepting Absolutely to be on the not. bench and just to be a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. I think he'd have been sulking.
completely. Yeah. Making faces. Yeah, you'd have been nothing. <laughs> you'd have been nothing. Okay, guys, uh, right, uh, more messages are coming in. So if you want to contribute to our conversations, do so on 0731-168-045. Uh, now, Africa was in action earlier today, and it was Cameroon, but they failed to score, and they were on the receiving end of a solitary goal from Switzerland. As the stars shoot across the desert sky, the lions roar and the eagles swoop. Africa, we hunt as one. While the lion failed to roar this afternoon as a second half strike from Briel Imbolo uh, fired Switzerland to a narrow 1-0 victory over Cameroon in the World Cup opener as the indomitable Lions suffered an eighth straight defeat in the competition dating back to 2002. Imbolo, who was born in Cameroon's capital Yaoundé but raised in Basel, is representing the Swiss at his second World Cup having received citizenship in 2014. And I say this with a straight face. We've talked about this guy, uh, Chris, the thrust that he brings, uh, the penetration in attack, uh, and no surprises that he scored. Absolutely. Uh, when you're taking a look at the delivery, I don't think we we ever expected that he would come to the World Cup and not sparkle, and yeah. he's definitely done that. It's just, I think when you're taking a look at some of these players, especially in this game, where this is someone who was born in Cameroon, mm. and unfortunately now... He's lost. playing lost And it's, it's something that Africa I'm not sure what we're going to do about it When you're taking a look at just the amount of Africans in the diaspora But I think Abril Mbolo definitely making huge, huge impact for Switzerland I, I think we, we need to do more in terms of I know people talk about Ah, uh, you know what? Development facilities But I, I feel like facilities alone are not enough No We've got to be able to pay more. Yes. We've got to be able to pay better because I think part of the attraction of going to bigger leagues, uh, going to Europe, or even a lot of our African players who are playing in the Middle East, for example, mm. and the Far East. It's a pay it's, packet. Yeah, it's about the pay packet. It's yeah. the fact that I'm going to get a lot of money and I'll be able to meet my needs and meet my family's needs and meet my community's needs. And when you take a look at, there just may be four or five leagues yeah. in Africa that give you a decent pay package. You're taking a look at the North African nations mm-hmm. and then quite possibly South Africa. Yeah. The rest of us. I mean, in Zimbabwe, we're talking about three, four hundred, five hundred bucks. It's, it's, it's a pittance when you're taking a look at what someone could be making globally. And it's, it's something that we're... I, I'm not sure if it's the corporate investment, mm. if it's if it's ensuring that our sport is truly a business to make sure that these players can get the similar pay, at least close enough that staying at home is an attraction. I think when we're taking a look at Africa, we often forget that the playing years are very few for footballers. Mm. Footballers at best get 10 to 15 years in which they can make the, the, what's supposed and, 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 to sustain them for but, but, but a lifetime? But a pension. I don't pension. Mm. Once you're done playing, you are done playing. If there were no investments made, and this, it always circles back to that argument that people make to say, "Oh no, uh, footballers blow their money." Especially in Zimbabwe, no, they don't. They just don't make enough to sustain a lifestyle after any kind of decent lifestyle after they stop playing. Yeah, and uh, going back to the football, Cameroon, uh, they they looked decent in parts, but on the whole, I think they looked disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, what concerns me is that uh, we have seen 
the pictures of Samuel Eto'o at the uh, training ground. Uh, you know, he's lacing up his boots. He's getting involved with the team. He's playing. He's coaching. Come on. I know you're a legend. I know you play for Chelsea. You play for Barca. You play for Inter. You won things with Cameroon. But you know what? Get off the damn field, man. <laughs> if he wanted to, I think he's in the wrong role. If yeah. you are president coach. of the... Yes, go be a coach. Go be the coach of the national team. Because as president of the footballers, I don't think I've ever seen it anywhere globally where you're going to lace up your boots yeah. and join in training. That that absolutely doesn't happen. And I think what then happens is that you neglect what are your core duties and responsibilities as a football association president and someone else has to potentially carry that load if it's done at all. And I think it also just disturbs the harmony in the technical in the team, team yeah. itself. It's not like these, these guys don't enjoy seeing you there no, all they the don't, time. Because imagine know? a legend also just, you know, watching over your shoulder as mm. you're working consistently. Mm. And I don't think Samuel Eto'o is necessarily the kind of person... You, you've met who, him before. I've met uh, him before. And uh, he's not exactly your uh, speak-to-you-nicely type no, guy. No, 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 I mean, not he's at very all. cocky, very Incredibly arrogant. cocky, moves around with a huge entourage. I don't mm. I don't think anyone is telling Samuel Eto'o, hey, listen, bro, what you need to be doing is the ceremonial stuff. And, and, and so the, the independence of the coach again is, is, he is has called none. into question. He has none. He probably the has person none. coaching this team is Samuel Eto'o. I'm pretty sure he sits there with the coach to tell him, you know what, and probably as a recommendation mm. to say these are the things that I would if I were you this is how I'd set up this team truthfully we should not be seeing the images that we're seeing uh, coming out of this World Cup from Cameroon yeah, absolutely and of course uh, in the other game that was played at the 3 o'clock kickoff uh, it was a goalless draw uh, between Uruguay and South Korea in Group H so meaning those two teams have got one point in the other game in that group it's being played right now and of course it is uh, uh, Portugal who are taking on Ghana. It's just gone to half time and it remains goalless in that game. Lock, lock, it. Ah. CFM Stereo's Untouchable. Get in touch with the team and have your say your way. Operator. All right, let's go to our messages here. Good evening, team. African teams have to change their approach. Uh, seems we are happy to get a point even when they're likely uh, ones to score. Good example being the Morocco versus Croatia match. That is Erie from Bulawayo. I think no one really ever settles for a point, Chris, but no. they, they, they just lacked that sharpness in goal. Yeah, when you're taking a look at the African teams especially, I think they're at this World Cup to prove, first of all, that they can make it among the best. And you have to score goals in a tournament. So it's, I think, potentially more the style that we employ because of the resources at our disposal and just the way that we are set up that potentially yes you can say does not aid us sometimes right and you guys are just a CR7 haters period and uh, my question to you is are you watching him play right now <laughs> are you watching him I don't think he's watching are you watching him you know what? Uh, let, let's oh. take off these rose-colored spectacles when we watch our players. <laughs> you know, if, even me, I've, I've I've come to the to the to the, and I'm now comfortable with the fact that Messi is going to have bad games. Yes, I'm yes. happy with that. I'm very happy with it and because you know what? He is 35 years old, yes. guys. 
at 35 and a zita nana onri vangava retire they were done they, they were, were done. done playing yes. i think i think my favorite thing is to always look at pictures of wayne rooney mm. who is the same age yes. as cristiano ronaldo who is still playing and other mm. players have transitioned into various other careers next stage of their life and you know what it's not to say that cristiano ronaldo is not one of the best players the world has ever yes. seen he is no longer the player that he was and, and there's 10, a highlight there's a highlights you see that chance that was played through to him on goal one on one with the keeper ronaldo would have lashed onto that and scored that but did you see the first touch the first touch okay look at that he fails to control the fumble. That, that, that's that's just guys a function of age. Yes. Your brain tells you one thing, and your mind. We saw it with yes. Messi versus yes. Saudi Arabia, where he was trying, you know, to to almost activate, where to get the ball, run with the ball, run mm-hmm. through defenses, uh, dribble past players. But as it's you've got to use your mind a lot more now. It just happens. It's a function of age. And again, it does not take away from what he's done before, even at other World Cups, we've seen Cristiano Ronaldo make absolutely brilliant performances. Is it happening right now? No. Yeah, and hi guys, uh, watch out for Breel Imbolo. <laughs> oh no, and Real Imbolo of Australia, he's a marvel, Ramsey. Really? No. No, there's no, no real Imbolo of uh, Australia. <laughs> there's Breel of, of Switzerland. <laughs> of Australia. <laughs> no, Australia, no, no, no. Come on, Ramsey. Uh, stop joking around. Uh, good evening, guys, Anzi. Your analysis of Ronaldo's situation is very embarrassed. How? <laughs> you know what, guys? No, but give us the other side. Yeah, give us the give other us side. Give us the other side. So if I it's wanna, imbalanced, I wanna, I wanna you're part of the guy. conversation. S- S- send us side. a message that more that that that, that is more than just what we are in balance in what was or something especially also based on the game that you're yes. watching right give now give us your analysis uh, and give us your take on how you think you know what he makes portugal better he makes he, he would have mm-hmm. made manchester united better etc uh messages are coming in the answer all the up here a bitter pill to swallow but it is what it is it is what it is yeah guys. uh and your choice of words thrust and penetration and you've got to say i mean uh, they make sense as far as Imbolo is concerned, isn't it, Chris? Michael. No. <laughs> I'm a we're, professional. We're, taking, we're talking football here, Chris. To the pure, all things are pure. I'm not a Puritan mm-hmm. at all. Um... um Anzi, okay, let's move on from that one. Anzi, vana jota vano garapanze. Ne interview yo yo anza auto vana magos kudari kambuzi enyo. Jota plays for Portugal, my friend. In fact, you see, a, a lot of people actually don't follow Portugal. Yeah. So it, it was always uh, you find out that Bruno Fernandes actually was the guy who was missing out on selection quite regularly yes. uh, for Portugal. But Diogo Jota actually plays next to Ronaldo in attack for Portugal. And Diogo Jota actually does score. So again, <laughs> uh, it's got really nothing to do with like uh, uh, a Jota versus Ronaldo. We're just saying that with the options that are there, yeah. I feel like Portugal has got younger players that are really hungry. They've never won things mm-hmm. and are able to trouble this uh, Ghana side. Because this Ghana side here, yeah, you're going to need a bit of pace to break the lines, yeah. to get behind them. And, and and it seems to me that the Ghana defence seems quite comfortable yeah. uh, dealing with Ronaldo's pace. That's exactly what we've seen pretty much across this first half is he's not troubling them at all like he used to. And when you're taking a look at how they're going to come into that second half, again, 
are you going to bench Ronaldo for a player who's able to break those lines? Potentially not. I don't think so. Hillary Nguyen in Bulawayo. Hillside says, good evening, sports team. So happy that my Brazil plays tonight. And I foresee a 3-0 win for the Samba Ooh. boys. Yeah, I, I can't see it. If it be, uh, you know, I think Brazil, they got the talent. <laughs> uh, they got the talent. I mean, uh, they, they just look good. So Aren't I'm expecting them. Huh? Aren't you a Brazil? No, no, fan? I'm, I'm not. A, I, I think everyone sort of like likes Brazil, but I'm not a Brazil fan. I've, okay. I've never been a, a Brazil fan. Uh, I'm an Argentina fan okay. uh, from the Maradona days. So uh, I, I just like Argentina. Italy is my team, actually. Really? But they're, they're, they're not at the World Cup. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Italy has, has always been my team. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I've decided I'll support Spain this time. Okay. Yeah, I'll support Spain. I mean, 7-0. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an easy one, isn't it? Decent choice. As I got Guys, uh, for uh, Cameroon, uh, Song is not yet the best coach like he was a player. Why not go all out when you are down? Abubakar, Ekambi and Chipomotung up front. Did they have anything to lose, really? Switzerland closed the middle. Why not use the wings effectively after that? Tactics, he's not yet up there, to be honest. Maybe I'm wrong. And I think I, I read it the same as you. You don't tell us your name, but that's it. I mean, there was no desperation uh, from Cameroon. They took out Chupomotung. How do you t- take out a, a form striker like Chupomotung when you're chasing a goal. Uh, I think they should have tried to just bash that dough down uh, and uh, it, 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 it would have been at least, you know, at least lose 2-0. Yeah. But at least lose trying to do something. Chance, yeah. Give yeah. yourself a, a chance to think. And then tomorrow, guys, we're going to be asking you up for your wow moment. So think about it uh, overnight. What has been your wow moment, moment from the first week of the World Cup tournament? We still got like, what, 60 seconds? Uh, Chris and uh, Brazil is in action tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I can't see anything beyond the Brazil. Brazil uh, win, yeah. Win. But we can't agree because when we agree in the studio, things As go things wrong. Things go wrong. <laughs> it's it's, it's the ZFM Sport Curse. It is what it is. So, so I, I'm. Can I, can I prove something to you? This mm-hmm. message has come in. And so you are saying the reason why Portugal is failing to score is merely because of, no one said that at all. We just we we asked you know, for people, people love... to give us the other side. No one is giving us the other side. What is this other side? Uh, people love just drawing uh... conclusions. Uh, who said that uh, it's it's Ronaldo's presence? No. We are just saying that you know what they could have a, a younger, faster team if he wasn't there if he wasn't a center or if he wasn't a must pick and he's not a bad pick he's I think, not a bad like I said, pick he's at the world cup tournament so play him you've got to play him uh, yeah. if he's there he's got to play it, it could only have worked if they dropped him entirely yes I think coming with him to the World Cup already means that he's up for selection and there's absolutely nothing you can do about that. Right. Uh, just uh, maybe we'll read a couple more messages here. And the people should look at Spain. They had youngsters and look at the result. CR7 had his time, but Junjese, Ginema, Gumo, that message has come in. This one says, I think all African teams won't survive the first round. We struggle to score, are uh, set up to defend and concede soft goals. I think Morocco, though, uh, probably in the bit of the exchanges versus Croatia. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, unfortunately, time has run out, guys. We'll be back tomorrow, five past six, as we build up to the weekend's action at Qatar 22. And of course, other action. There's also there's a big rugby match between England uh, and the Springboks. We'll be previewing that. Barry and Aloy should be back in the studio. And it's Messi! It's the cleanest of clean finishes from the best on the planet. The biggest sports stories. Chelsea, the UEFA Champions League winners.
of 2021. The biggest interviews. That uh, such a great spectacle is ruined by such such thuggish behavior. And all the analysis right here. He's the one player that has the arrogance to think he can play in any stadium in the world and any pitch in the world in front of any player in the world and take them on. Every weekday, it's my sport, it's your sport. It's ZFM Sport on ZFM Stereo. My station, your station. Hi, this is Mike Madud, and you can catch me and the team for all the latest breaking news out of the world of sport, local as well as international, on your favorite station, my station, your station, ZFM. We are Z Team on ZFM Sport. Z.